Anchored in Reaching is for curious people who want to explore the story that God is writing in history and who are looking for their own place in that story to find meaning and vibrancy in their life and vocation. I'm Kevin Manoya. Join me each week as we probe the edges of faith and living, always in relation to God who knows you best. For some, it'll be an opportunity to anchor yourself more securely in your faith. For others, it'll be motivation to reach out to engage more broadly. In either case, these conversations should encourage, enlighten, and challenge you. Welcome back, everybody, to Anchored and Reaching. I'm really glad you're taking time to listen. And uh, we do enjoy the fact that there are people out there who are walking with us in these conversations. It's really meaningful. And uh, I trust that it, that it really makes a difference in your own thought patterns and how you engage in small group conversation or one-on-one conversation with other people. Uh, Susanna's here with me again. Hey, and, everybody. Yeah, and we're actually... Uh, with this episode, we're going to start a new series, and that new series is called Reaching Your Community. Um, and so Suzanne and I are going to talk briefly now in this first episode that we're calling Social Justice or Heart Purity. We're going to kind of lay the framework and the groundwork. And then in the next three episodes, uh, you're going to get to meet some really wonderful people, Brett and Aubrey Masters, who are actually transforming their community in a town called Lake Elsinore, California. And you're going to hear all about that. We're going to talk about uh, how we take some of the principles that Susanna and I are going to talk about here today and implement those in an actual community through what is called the Dream Center in Lake Elsinore, California. So uh, I'm really looking forward to introducing them to you and having you get a chance to get to know them. And I'm looking forward to getting into this episode uh, because there's lots of terms that we're talking about and some things that I hope we can uh, convey to you. Susanna? Yes. Um, we're excited to talk about the concept of engaging with your community. One, because it's just like the basic of Christianity. It is so important that we're not staying insular, that we're not just going to church on Sundays, but we're out engaging the community. Um, but it actually, that sounds simple, but it's a lot deeper than that. There are a lot of themes uh, throughout scripture, themes in Christian life that we want to unpack today and really inspire you um, for the why that we're engaging our community, that we're engaging in social justice movements and talk about some of the tensions there and some of the pushback as well. So yeah, Kevin, I know that you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about the dichotomy between social justice or social holiness and personal faith. And so go ahead and lay that out for people. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, again, the title that we're using here is social justice or heart or heart purity. And it seems to me that in the broad church today, there is either an emphasis on this idea that my, my heart needs to be pure toward God, or there are other churches and other people that really tend to engage in the idea that I need to feed the poor, I need to clothe the naked, I need to take care of the widows and orphans, I need to do socially good stuff in the community. And, uh, and, and so we, we kind of set up this false narrative that these are either in opposition to each other or that they're actually separate from one another. And in reality, you know, I, I don't think that they are in opposition, and I certainly don't think that they're separate. The, you can't have one without the other. I mean, 
you know, there, there are many people in history who have said, Wesley is one of them, B.T. Roberts is another one that has said, uh, there is no holiness apart from social holiness. So we can't really bifurcate or separate these two concepts, one from the other. They're two sides of the same coin. I, yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe just for, to help people listening follow along, we should give an example of what it might look like to separate the two. So, for example, if you are going to a foreign country to do mission work, um, some people might say you need to share the name of Jesus and that is your priority. And they might neglect the physical needs of people in countries where they're not getting their needs met, whether that be clean water, whether that be food. Some people focus primarily on meeting physical needs, but they maybe neglect the sharing of the gospel. And you have camps on either side that would say, you need to prioritize this or you need to prioritize that. And in reality, these things need to be woven together, and they are really mm -hmm. seamlessly woven together. Is that a good example, Kevin, of what you're uh, talking about? Yeah, it really is. And in reality, I guess the way I see this, social justice and heart purity are both part of what I call the holiness of God. Well, mm -hmm. I don't call it that. The scripture calls it that, <laughs> yeah. right? And there's a whole tradition that calls it that. Uh, I happen to join that. Uh, it's the holiness of God that's invading creation, invading all of creation that happens to include the individual persons and the heart of people, but also the social structures and the context in which we live. And so really the holiness of God has two dimensions to it. There is the personal holiness and there is the social holiness. Right and and yet you can't separate those. Um, when I when I talk about personal holiness, it has to do with the transformation of the soul and heart and character of a person to become like God. The the orthodox doctrine of theosis is where we get this really becoming like God, and that's where all of holiness teaching really emanates from that ancient church. So. Yeah, we are we are becoming like God in our character, in our nature. But but the holiness of God not only affects the character and nature, it also affects the agenda and the priorities and the activities. And what was the activity of God if not to engage humanity and meet the needs of humanity and make a difference in humanity? So personal holiness is that dimension of God's holiness that changes our nature, and social holiness is that part that compels us to make a difference in our community, in the people that are around us. Uh, now, there's a, there's a misnomer here, and I you're, you're going to ask the question about social holiness, aren't you? I can, yeah, I, I can feel <laughs> Continue. it. Continue. I'll ask later. <laughs> okay. Well, the idea that social holiness is, is basically synonymous with social activism. It's not. All right. So, so in, the, in the whole movement of being holy as God is holy, the concept of social holiness has two fundamental meanings. One is that we become holy through the influence of the other people in our lives. That's a social relationship we have. So, so the idea of social holiness is really, as John Wesley talked about it, uh, had the impact of personal formation, because we can't be formed in the likeness of God apart from intimate 
accountable relationships with one another. That's why that's what he uh, called the class meetings or the bands, they call them. Small bands where accountability was happening. That's how you are formed is in the social construct of small groups. But then there is such a transformation that occurs in the heart of one that it overflows, it bubbles over, it just sort of spills out of it out of us. It leaks out of our pores so that when we go to work, we sweat Jesus and we do the things that Jesus would do. And 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 God through Jesus reconciling all people to all all creation to himself is going to be taking care of the needs of of the people. Is going to be feeding the poor, is going to be clothing the naked, it's going to be giving housing to people who are homeless. It's going to be fighting for the the indigenous person. It's 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 going to be setting up social structures that are just and fair, you see. So social has to do with both the social relationships by which the Holy Spirit forms our character, and then the the implications of that is that it spills over into a social activity that changes the community around us at the point of need. One deals with becoming like God, the other has to do with doing what's important to God, a reprioritizing of our agenda. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I'm willing to bet that a lot of people listening to this are thinking, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, of course we should do good works to further the kingdom of God on earth. But I don't know if so many people are aware of the cultural forces that have shaped a type of Christianity in the United States that is primarily focused on personal piety or on personal transformation. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if you study the development of Christianity in the United States, there was a pretty big movement that came where people started to focus on that individual relationship with Jesus Christ. And a lot of American Christianity is built around that idea. It's because of what we call individualism when you're studying social sociology, when you're studying intercultural studies. America is primarily individualistic as well as a lot of Western nations. They're focused on the individual. We don't relate based on our family. We Our identity is based on who we are apart from the social structure. Whereas if you go to some other countries, they're going to be what are called collectivist, which means that they are identifying with their family. Their identity is with their family. A lot of Asian countries would identify as collectivist. Okay, so why that matters is because as individualism kind of formed in the United States and in our narrative, it also kind of seeped its way into our faith. And there became an emphasis on me, Susanna Fleming, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I invite him into my heart. I am reading the Bible by myself. I am listening by myself, all these different things. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It absolutely should be a decision that you make um, personally and a relationship that you have in the prayer closet and, you know, in those intimate moments, just you and Jesus. But that is a one-dimensional version of faith and a holistic version of faith includes having people in your life, includes having this social dimension. And like Kevin said, allowing that to trickle out into the other aspects of your life to lead to um, really partnering with God's redemptive work. And so it's really interesting how we have these patterns in our faith and in our Christianity that we don't even know what the cultural forces are that have created those. But it's actually, I think, harder for Christians in the United States to get out and do social 
justice action and to be involved because we're so focused on our morning Bible study with our highlighter. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that again, but it's just interesting how it's developed. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I guess uh, I would love to to think at some point, I, I, I mean, part of that, I think there are two, two thoughts that go through my mind. One is that that is a function of us compartmentalizing our faith. You know, when we compartmentalize our faith and we try to reduce it to propositions and axioms and even doctrinal statements, we try to reduce it to bite-sized pieces, then we emphasize this idea of heart purity, personal piety, um, and having having a heart that is forgiven of our sins, and somehow we may relegate the social activism to a different tradition or something like that. When in reality, you, again, you can't separate these things. You can't. It's like two sides of the same coin. I guess it's really interesting, though, Susanna, because you're right. In in the rest of the world, there's more of a propensity or a tilt toward understanding this idea because of the nature of the culture. So I wonder if the heavy emphasis in Western nations on independence really contributes to reducing our faith to this personal formula that I said yes to Jesus, so I go to heaven when I die, and my heart is pure, and oh yeah, it's a nice thing if I feed the poor, as opposed to them being integrally, completely woven together, almost you know, inextricably uh, wound together, right? Yeah, I would definitely say so. And then on the other, on the other side of things, you do have these social justice movements or like that social holiness movement that um, have occurred in which the name of Jesus was really absent from those conversations. And so you had these Christians engaging in social justice, doing these different things, feeding the poor. Um, but there was like a bit of a reaction against that, right, Kevin? Like, like Christians were saying, well, you need to include that evangelism piece. You need to include that that Jesus piece in it. And so I yeah. feel like you can fall really far on either side yeah, of the spectrum. Yeah, I, I think so. And even having that kind of a conversation tends to dichotomize, or it tends yeah. to compartmentalize. It tends to create this false separation between the two of these things, when in reality, you know, it, you know, they are they are one and the same. They're just the natural. It's like I eat food, and it changes my body. And then when I work and sweat, I sweat the smell that I've eaten. That's kind of a gross analogy, but <laughs> yeah. I think you get the idea. When I eat a lot of garlic, I sweat. I sweat, and I smell like garlic. So, so I guess then the question becomes: All right, so let's take this to the community level. Mm -hmm. Right, because we're talking here in a series called Reaching Your Community. How do you get outside and make a difference in your community? Well, you know, do you pull yourself up by the bootstraps, or is it something that should be natural flowing out of the nature of churches, of people? Uh, what is it that drives the best community transformation and the best reaching of our communities uh, in the name of Christ and in the name of the gospel? So that's a great question. I I feel like 
there is an element to which intentionality matters. And so I agree with you, or I want to talk more about the natural outpouring of it, mm-hmm. but I've been processing a lot about disciplines in Christianity and how we oftentimes think about disciplines as far as you know our scripture reading, our silence, our solitude, all these things. But then giving and generosity is meant to be a type of discipline that we engage in. And I think also to a degree, engaging with different, um, serving the community is also a type of discipline that we should engage in. So I don't want to give people the excuse of, oh, you don't have to like get uncomfortable <laughs> in order to yeah, yeah. participate in the kingdom of God. There, there is a degree where you have to go sit with the brokenhearted. You have to go, you know, really feel what it feels like to be in these different spaces and, and serve at the same time. I am deeply passionate about, Christians going into their places of work and understanding that they are vessels for the kingdom of God in those places, even if they never open their mouth and share the gospel. Um, I love the idea of what's called institutional redemption. So I know that's another big word we're throwing out on this podcast, but if you think about it, if if God is out to redeem all things, that means that every system in this world, every broken system, even, even a broken bank system, uh, picture a bank where there's dishonesty happening, where there's money laundering, where there's these different things, God is out, redemption, the kingdom of heaven on earth looks like redemption of that system. Mm-hmm. So you, Kevin, you work at a bank, you go in there every day. And you have vision for what an ethical banking system would look like. You have vision for what it would look like for all of your coworkers to get along, for um, there to be accurate reporting, for people to be honored as they enter into that space. You participating in that and really seeking God for what heaven would look like in that bank system and then just living it out, Mm -hmm. that is influencing the world for the kingdom of God and it is engaging in institutional redemption. Yeah. And of course you talk about Jesus and you do those things, but I think there's that piece as well. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think that's very well stated. Um, there's another dimension to this that can also be a pitfall. And, and what I hope is that we don't conclude that somehow social engagement or community engagement or reaching our community can only occur correctly when it comes out of an emphasis on heart purity. In other words, if there is a false dichotomy between social and personal holiness, there may also be a false assumption that you can only transform your community after you have emphasized the purity of the heart. So you've got to get the hearts pure, and then we naturally overflow into social engagement and transformation, community transformation. I think what you're saying, or you started to say, and I think unpacked it, is there's a degree to which actually willfully choosing to do things in the community, to serve in the soup kitchen, to hand out food, to to distribute clothing, to do those things out of an act of the will becomes the means by which then the Holy Spirit begins to purify our heart and transform us. So it's there is not this one-way direction. This you know we're not on a one-way street that starts with heart purity and goes to social community transformation. Sometimes there are people who are just doing it because they were asked to do it and they're putting in the time. But it's amazing how handing out food and ministering to the needs of people can suddenly begin to change your heart when God is in that and begins to affect 
the, 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 and shape your soul differently. Yes, absolutely. I, I think so. I think that's the role of the disciplines, right? Yes. The, like the point of the disciplines, the point of engaging in spiritual activity is not just to show that you can do it or, you know, it's, it's really to shape you. (laughs) It's not because, oh, I, I have, you know, grown in my faith enough to be able to do this. It's because I don't have enough (laughs) to do this and I'm going to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, engage in this. So I become the kind of person who does this. Yeah. Yeah. I had a mentor a long time ago, um, the early times that I went to India to do some teaching and preaching and, and he said, it was Indian. He said, uh, you know, Kevin, you got to learn that, uh, we don't go for their sake. We go for our sake. If you go for their sake, they'll smell that and they won't accept you as well. If you go for your sake, you go in humility, you go in grace, because you are going to be learning and growing through this activity. And in the process, you become a vessel through which God's social holiness transforms the community. Yeah, it's kind of wise words, I thought, you know. Mm-hmm. I do think those are really wise words. As long as it doesn't become a thing of, of trying to generate your own self-righteousness, obviously. Yeah. Which it could. Well, I mean, you could you could go out and serve to feel better about yourself or to feel like you're more holy. It, it should be the perspective of I'm going out and serving because one, the Bible tells me to, two, because I know that as I do this, I'm going to be shaped more into God's image, yeah. and three, because... I want to genuinely love and serve the people in front of me. Yep, yep. Uh, I think that in in some cultures, especially uh, developed nations, there's a guilt factor at play too. I want to appease my guilt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to do this in an order to say that I'm doing it and to appease my guilt and to do something that is spiritual. So I think you're absolutely right. I now so so then. You know, from a practical standpoint, maybe in the last few minutes here, you know, how how does this how does this really work? So, you know, we're going to be talking to folks who are on the ground doing this in Bretton Aubrey when they join us the next three episodes um, with through the Dream Center. But but how do we how do we then create a framework that gives people something to latch onto? when they are being asked to canvas the community, to uh, pick up trash in the community, to uh, serve in the food service line, um, or to make up beds for homeless people. You know, where is the hook? Do we start with the need or do we start with this can shape your life? (laughs) This is a marketing question. (laughs) I guess so. Um. Uh, that's a good question. I can only answer it based on what has been appealing to me lately and compelling to me. Um, I think that especially like this younger generation coming up Gen Z and that I consider myself a millennial, there is a degree to which we want to, like if we're committed to Christianity, we want to be the best possible Christians we can be. And we want someone to tell us how we can do that. Uh, we want to look like Jesus. We want to be committed. We want to be all in. And so when people say like, hey, you want to be all in, you want your life to be shaped to look like Jesus, this is how you do it, there's such an appeal to me there. At the same time, compassion is what drove Jesus to do all of his works, all of his miracles. And so I don't want us to lose sight of the compassion. 
Mm-hmm. I guess my answer as I talk through it is I don't think it should be one or the other. I don't think either of those two things are right. appealing enough. I, I think that we need to have both so we don't fall into, you know, we don't, we don't miss out on the other side, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I guess my take on it, is I tend to emphasize holism and integration. Those are big words for me. And I want to lead people to an integrated faith that makes sense, but naturally leaks out of them when they do whatever they do. So for me, the idea is this, we do these things because it's who we are. It just comes naturally. It's because it's who we are. Now, there are some people who are going to engage with us, but the central motivating factor, I think, needs to come out of the identity of the person or the church or the ministry. Um, And along the way, there are going to be people who engage it and participate who may not have that motive, but very quickly they will become that. And it moves them along in their discipleship path. A good friend of mine, um, I, you know, George, people have probably heard of George Barna. Um, I remember when we were talking through him putting out a book called Maximum Faith a number of years ago. And it was very interesting because he has 12 stops on the discipleship path of becoming basically holy as God is holy. That was the, and, and, and writing it for a Christian worldview. It's very interesting because there was a stop at which many people got, got hung up and they stayed there for the rest of their lives. But it's interesting that they would come to the second to the last stop that he identified in this book, in their discipleship journey, he used these bus stops as kind of an indication of progress toward uh, discipleship, healthy, holy discipleship. And the one that came before the last one was uh, uh, loving and worshiping God. Now, most people would think that when you are a real disciple and you are really holy, you are going to worship God, you're going to love God, and 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 going to show all of that through your worship. Well, what's really interesting is he went on to still a final stop beyond that. It wasn't loving God wasn't the last stop. It was that moves on to the final stop, which is loving people. Mm-hmm. And that's what disciples do. That's what people on the way of holiness do. They don't just love God, but they love people. And they live out that love for God through the activities of social engagement, community transformation, and relational health with other people. I think that's really well said. Gotta love George Barna. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's helping us tie together those things. Yeah. Well, this is a, a big topic. And uh, I'm really looking forward to having a chat with Brett and Aubrey, and and I hope that everybody will tune in and sign in on the podcast. Uh, Next week, next episode, we're going to be talking about earning trust in your community, and I'm hoping that Brett and Aubrey can help us understand that a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And we want to encourage you guys to check out the show notes. Um, yes, those are below yes. this if you're listening on podcast. And the idea of the show notes is that they just give you little um, points of what we talk about, but then also there'll be links in there to connect with us. We have an email address. We would love to hear from you. And uh, we really just want to hear your questions, even what you're interested in us talking about. Kevin and I love to dive into topics that are even, you know, somewhat 
hard to process through in culture today, all of that stuff. We're not afraid of it. And so if you have questions that you really need to process through, we would love to do that. Just shoot them over to our email and, um, yeah, feel free to leave us, leave us a review. We actually would have really appreciate a review. It just helps more people like you get to hear this podcast. Yep. I agree. hundred percent. Thanks, Susanna. And thank you all for joining us. Looking forward to uh, being with you again the next episode. Let me encourage you to keep leaning into the wonderful adventure of becoming all that God has envisioned for you to be. Anchoring yourself in a secure identity, you reach with confidence to engage with people and daily life all around you. Allow your curiosity to explore and find God in the edges. Please take time to share this podcast with all your friends and invite them to join me in upcoming weeks as we explore together this exhilarating journey of being anchored and reaching.